Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Crooked Illness. If you are new here, my name is Paris Brinkevich, and I am the creator and host of the Crooked Illness podcast, where we get into all things health-related. The primary focus of the podcast within the umbrella of health-related topics is mental health and mindset. I began Crooked Illness as a way to motivate, inspire, empower, and educate people on these interesting topics. My background and passion for starting Crooked Illness stems from the field of psychology. After completing both my BA in psychology and MBA in healthcare administration, my passion for mental health only continued to grow. As a result of this, I decided to start Crooked Illness to bring more awareness, tips, and conversations to the table about these topics. I offer my perspective on the work I've done and how it inspired me to begin this podcast. Along with this perspective, I also speak about my personal experience with mental health and how I use those experiences to help educate, inspire, and motivate others. I really enjoy doing interviews and connecting with people who also love to discuss and learn more about mental health. If you would like to learn more, become a guest, or connect, feel free to reach out to me by shooting me a message on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, or to my email of crookedillness at gmail.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a new episode we have here for you on Crooked Illness. As you guys can see from the title today, we are going to be talking about living in problems versus living in solutions. Now, I am excited about this topic because before I introduce you to my awesome, awesome guest today, I want to share with you guys what this episode is all about and why I wanted to do an episode on this topic. So this episode today, we are going to be getting into a lot of different things, but primarily my guest is going to be sharing how to overcome our negative inner critic and build up our emotional core. And I really like this because usually when I think about this, right, building up your physical core, working out, exercising, but what about your emotional core? What about your mindset? What about your thoughts that you have every single day? How do you change that? How do you build that up? How do you boost that up? So we're going to be getting into that conversation along with the power of reframing the meaning of failure reframing the meaning of failure. So we get into a little conversation here in the episode about the topic of failure, what that looks like, and when we are often first introduced to what failure is and how it can be bad and devastating and shifting that view to seeing failure as something that is allowing us to learn, allowing us to grow, allowing us that space to learn more about ourselves than we knew before. So we get into that as well. But I just really wanted to have this conversation because the, the primary focus here is around the solution shift which my guest created and is going to be getting into what that means, what it looks like, what is the solution shift all about. But what I really took away from this conversation with my guest today is going from a mindset of focusing more on problems, more on things that aren't working, more on things that we've been struggling with, things that we've struggled with in the past, things that are stressful and overwhelming, shifting from that towards a solution-based thinking type of behavior, right? So, so looking at things more from a lens of how can I fix this? How can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? How can I overcome this? Rather than 
being so stuck in the problem. And the reason I really wanted to do this is because I have spent so long and so many years of my life being the person who was always stuck and living inside of the problem, always focusing on what wasn't going right, what wasn't working, things that I felt I had messed up on, things that I wasn't happy with in my life, things that I wasn't happy with about myself, just all of these things and focusing on that, but not focusing on how to fix it, how to come out of it, how to learn from that, how to grow from that. So this is really what this episode is all about, guys, all about shifting that mindset towards solution-based, solution-centric kind of mentality to really start living more of a happy life rather than being so stressed out, so overwhelmed, so focused on things that aren't working, all of these problems, all of these issues, all of these types of things. So I'm super excited for you guys to hear this incredible conversation that I got to have today with my guest who I am excited to introduce you guys to. So you know what? Let's just get right into the episode, guys. Hello, guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Crooked Illness. I am so excited to dive into the meaning behind the title of today's episode, Living in Problems versus Living in Solutions. Luckily, I have my incredible guest, Dr. Lori Baker Sheena here to break down this meeting with me. Lori is a life coach who provides advice on building effective teams, staying motivated, conflict management, and living a solution-centric happy life. I'm so happy to have Lori here today to share the solution shift with us along with her powerful story. So without further ado, welcome Lori to the podcast. Paris, it is absolutely pure joy to be here today. Thank you so much for having me. And I want to say hi to all those who are listening right now. They're so, so lucky to have you as their host. Oh, Lori, thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you here today to dive into this topic because it is such an important one and such an interesting one that we get to get into today. But before we do this, I would love if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are and what you do. Well, I am a leadership consultant and a motivational speaker, professional speaker, but this is actually, Paris, my third career, and one of the things I like to teach people is that you don't have to be stuck in one thing all of your life. I think one thing kids out of college feel, or even out of high school feel, that they're going to make a decision, and then they're going to have to like live with it forever, and the truth of yes. the matter is that if we're, <laughs> if we're lucky we will live a long time. And those are long years. And hopefully we can keep reinventing ourselves to continue to keep up with the personal growth that we have. So that being the case, I started out as a journalism major in college and I was the top of my class. I was the editor of the newspaper and I was heading toward a career in newspapers. And this is back long time ago, 1980. And then I had my first job as a newspaper person, as a reporter and a copy editor. And I had that sinking feeling that after all that time and work, it wasn't for me. And I know so, I hear so many stories of people who majored in something in college and then they get into the real world and they realize it's so not what they want to be doing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right? So, so that really flipped me out. So it really, I have several uh, truths that I always 
tell my former students because I was ended up being a university professor, but I say, you know, your 20s have to be really one of exploration, of turmoil, of of trying different things, because that is really at your 20s, you really grow and you need to figure out what's going to make you happy and what you want to do. I so love I, that. I love <laughs> so it. I end, yeah. So I ended up churning through several jobs and I ended up with a wonderful job and I ended up in public relations and marketing, which I, I got to tell you, Paris, I had no education on, no background. I learned it all on the job and that was fun. And when I was about 29, I got into a job that I really was not happy with. I, I realized I didn't like to be kind of micromanaged. I, I didn't do well with a boss. And I was, and was, and I was entering a, a, a marriage with two, and my husband-to-be had two young kids. And I really wanted to be home for those kids. The long story short, um, with, the, with the help of a mentor, I started my own public relations and marketing business. And so many people, this was 1987 and there was a big recession. And so many people said, you're so, you're an idiot for literally, they said, called me an idiot for leaving a stable job that, you know, with everything to try this. And I thought, you know what? I've been working, getting clients for the last year. And what's the worst that could happen if I fail? What does failure look like? And uh, I'll just go get another job. So knowing that I just went for, for it and I ended up doubling my salary my first year out and I've never looked back. Wow. I still, I still have that, that, that business Paris. I don't, you know, I don't do that much with it, medical public relations, but I, I still, I still have a couple of clients. That's incredible. So, That's amazing. You really might, another tr Lori truth is, you know, don't listen to the haters because yes. they, they, uh, they, they're not care. They don't care about you. They're, they're coming from your, their perspective, not what's really good for Paris or what's for Lori, right? Yes. So. I love that. I love that you bring that up and talking about, you know, especially with, you know, when you're dealing with haters that they're coming from, you know, their, their own perspective and it has nothing to do with you. And I think that's such a powerful thing to learn, especially, you know, in my case, when, you know, I heard Steve Harvey say that in a video I saw, you know, about talking about, you know, people's opinions of you have nothing to do with you and you shouldn't make it your business to, you know, try to figure out what, what these people are saying about you and what, what they're meaning, where it's coming from and all of that. So I love that you uh, put that in there. Absolutely. You know, it's really wonderful to surround yourself with people who are supportive and will also give you the truth from love. There's a difference when people criticize you because they've got their own agenda versus really giving you constructive criticism because they love you and they want you to succeed. So if you can learn to, sur to uh, surround yourself with people who really want the best for you and will be and you feel, you know, in a safe space where they'll be honest, that's how you grow. So, yes. I love so, that. Oh my goodness. So, so I learned that, you know, I learned that young and, and it was, and it was really important. So I'm going along. I'm, 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 I'm loving my business. And about three years later, I get a call from my old university where I, where, and I also ended up getting an MBA during this time too, because I just thought that would be, I liked marketing and I thought that would be very helpful. So with that advanced degree, I was, I was um, asked to be emergency hire as a professor. And Paris, I've never taught anything. You know, I was 32 <laughs> years old and 
And there's another truth here is that college professors don't need to have any kind of teaching training to teach. There's no credential program. There's no nothing. So that's why you have such a wide array of, you know, uh, talented professors. Some are not so effective and some are very, you know, there's no teacher, not much teacher training when you first start. So I said, sure, I'll, I'll give it a shot. It sounds like fun. And I was so nervous the first day that I had to sit down um, to take the role. I was shaking so hard. What were you teaching? What was it? Beginning news writing. And, wow. I, and I'm a writer by trade. That's cool. So, so it was really fun. So I really stumbled that first semester. No one ever even knew it was my first, never tell anybody it's your first semester. Just, I just, you know, <laughs> kind of fake it till you make it. But um, I loved it. And it ended up becoming a 25 year career. And the last eight years of that, I was a full-time professor. And I just, I've taught thousands of students, public relations and marketing. And, and I just loved it so much. And I always added a motivational component to it because I don't think young people are given enough encouragement to follow their dreams and to work hard and to, to do what they really want to do. Uh, you know, so many people are negative and I, my goal in life is just to elevate people. So I've, I've really had a great platform for that. And my students have gone on to do incredible, incredible things um, in entertainment, public relations and tech in medicine. It's just, it's been, it's been wonderful. So I was going along and, um, and then of course, life throws stuff at you, Paris, as you know. And at, when I was 55, I um, had a surprise diagnosis of uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And that really stopped oh, wow. me in my tracks because I thought, okay, what, I, what, what, what do I really want to be doing? Because it's treatable, but you know, it does come back. What should I be doing with my life? And what I've always wanted to do was be a professional speaker and a leadership coach. And I'd gotten my doctorate in organizational leadership late. I was like 47 when I did that, just to have it. And I said, you know, I want to use that degree to really elevate people on a higher level. So I ended up quitting my, uh, or leaving or quitting my full of uh, my tenured university job and started my own business doing public relations, not public relations, but leadership consulting and, um, and uh, professional speaking with a little bit of public relations still kind of sprinkled in. And it's been seven years now, and I am incredibly happy. And my goal is to help people pivot to the positive. And that's my theme. And that is what I try to help people do because life is too short to compromise your happiness. Yes. Oh my goodness. That is so, so true and so powerful. And I love that. And I love, you know, just love your story and your energy and just all of it. So one thing that you share with me last time that I thought was so cool, it was the solution shift. So I'd love if you could talk to me about, talk to me about the solution shift. What is it and why did you develop it? Well, it's interesting. Paris, you have friends, I'm sure, and people you know, who always <laughs> complain about their problems. Yes. <laughs> all they do is talk about their problems. And they don't talk about a solution. They just, they kind of love to live in misery. But when you live in your problems, you stay a victim and you never, you never move forward. Mm -hmm. I oh, realized yeah. I'm not a problem-centric person. Everything I've, and I think people who've had real challenges in their life and they want to succeed, learn how to do this and, and get beyond their circumstances. And so what I wanted to figure out was how I could teach people how to get out of their problems 
and instead live into live in the solution which means you take the focus off the problems and start thinking about the solution. That and is when- so cool. I love that. That's, that's incredible. Cause I can remember you were telling me about this last time and just the whole process of where this really came from and how it came from your life, your experiences, you know, the conversations you've had with other people, like you said, you know, who are so focused on the problems and, you know, continuing to bring up the problems, bring up different issues, but then not bringing up, any way to solve it or work through it. But like you said, all stuck, stuck in that problem centric mindset and almost unable to get out of it. So that's, that's awesome. It it really is awesome. And it, and stuck is the word Paris people, when you're stuck, when people are stuck, they're not, they're not thinking solution. They really aren't because there's a solution for everything. And and people say, Lori, come on, you know, so much, there's so much misery in the world and there's so much this and that. There, there's some things just can't be solved. And that's, there's a truth in that, but it's perspective. And my favorite story on that is when I did, when I did have my cancer in the hospital, I, they had found a tumor in my stomach, in my small bowel. And there was two days, and it was a surprise, no one saw it coming. And it was just like, everyone was shocked. And there was two days there where I didn't know, and I was a medical writer, so I knew all about this, even more than my, my surgeon. And there's two days when I didn't know whether I'd have a tumor, a cancer that would um, be like, I will only have like three weeks to live versus something that was treatable that I would keep going. So um, when I heard the words, you've got cancer, and I was all alone, and I was in, in, at five o'clock in the morning in a hospital bed, and so uh, my reaction was, of course, I cried for two hours, um, and then I got bored crying because <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a big crier. So I thought, okay, what does this all mean? So I realized, if I have 15 more days or or three more weeks or whatever it is, I'm going to make the most of those three weeks because I am luckier than someone who gets killed instantly, either violently through an accident or whatever happens. That person doesn't have three weeks. Three weeks would be gold to those people. So if I only have three weeks, I'm going to make it the best three weeks of my life. I'm going to tell the people I love that I'm going to call them up and tell them much I love them. I'm going to try to sneak in food if I can eat, you know, that kind of thing, whatever that can be. And I'm even going to call people who I need to speak my mind with and not worry about that because I can do it. And if I have, if I, and on the other hand, if it's treatable, then it's, it's going to be treatable and I'll figure out the best cancer um, uh, doctors and go from there. But what I'm saying to you is that there's always a solution. There's always a positive thing, no matter what's thrown at you, there's always something bright and holding on to that brightness is what get, keeps us moving forward. It moves us from victim to empowered. It moves us from the darkness to the light. Yes. Yes, I love that. I love how you, how how your energy is just so focused on that because, you know, I was actually listening to a podcast earlier today with Dr. Daniel Amen, and he was talking about research linked to cancer and happiness and attitudes and you know your perspective and how you see things and you know he talked about kind of looking at it in a way of you know, that there's no way to come back from this, you know, staying stuck and very negative and overwhelmed and very stressed out and all of those things. But then trying, like you said, to look to the brighter side of things and say, you know what, there's people who die instantly. There's people who don't have 
three weeks and there's people who don't have time. And even though, you know, you're, you're choosing to look at it that way. And I think that is so powerful and so important just for, you know, just for the overall quality of your life and like shifting that mindset from being so focused on, you know, challenges and these obstacles and all kinds of problems to shifting it to that. And that brings me to another point that I really want to get into with you because last time we spoke, you said so many helpful points, but this is one I really want to dive deeper into with you. So you said internal validation gives you strength. External validation holds you prisoner. And I love that. I wrote it down. I'm like, that's great. That's an, I'm writing this down right now. So can you expand on what that means? Well, so, how, so the question becomes, how do you do this solution shift? Yes. And the first thing you have to realize is what you can control and what you can't. And you have, you have a mental picture in your, of your mind of two columns. What can I control and what can't I control? Well, I could not control the, the fact that I got cancer. I mean, there's just no way. And, but I could control how I'd react to it. And I realized I didn't want to spend the last three weeks of my life miserable and as a victim because I was going to die anyway, right? So, so I really wanted to proactively say, I can, I can control how I react to that. So that is important because it really, that knowledge, that profound knowledge leads you to a better life in general because you don't spend your energy worrying about people about things you can't control. And you said, worry about, you know, you really focus on what you can't control, which brings me to your question. The only person, the only thing in your world that you can control truly is you. That's it. You have no, you think you have control over things, you know, Paris, you just don't. Yes. <laughs> and as a professional speaker, I learned this early on when I had spoken to a huge group of people about one of my favorite topics, leadership branding, how to you know, create a leadership brand. And you always get evaluations at the end of a speech, which is unnerving, like you're graded all the time, which is fine, but it is what it is, right? So I got one from a man who said it was the worst presentation he had ever seen. Oh. Then I got one from a woman, same speech, same everything, that it was the most incredible thing she'd ever seen, incredible presentation, and it changed her life. And she plans to use every single thing that she learned. Wow. And Paris, it was me. It wasn't like two different people presenting, but it's a huge illustration of the fact that you cannot control how people are going to react to you. Mm -hmm. So you then have to figure out how you're going to show up as your authentic self and be that person, that strong person that you value of yourself. And then however people react to that is how they're going to react. And when you start focusing your energy on you and focusing on your inner core, that gives you confidence, that gives you strength. Because if you're living your life trying to make everybody healthy, uh, happy, not healthy, but happy, that ends up becoming a, a prisoner situation for you because you're stuck trying to please everyone. And it's, it's not possible. We all know that. So why we continue doing that is just ridiculous. So you know how you go to the gym and build your core? Yes. Well, it's the same thing internally. You have, it takes time, it takes energy, but you have to build that internal core of self-worth and authenticity. This is who I am. This is how I'm showing up. 
And that is what I can do. How everybody reacts, they're going to react. Yes. And I love that you bring that up because that was also something that we got into last time. You know, you, you, you brought up that incredible point of going to the gym and working on your physical core, but then what about your emotional core? What do you do internally to build that up? So I would love to hear from you, you know, what kinds of things did you do to build up your emotional core? There's several things you can do to build up your emotional core. The first thing you need to do is start being nicer to yourself. Yes, that is, yes, I love it. <laughs> Listen to how you talk to yourself. Are you speaking kindly to yourself like you're, you're your best friend or are you speaking meanly to yourself? For example, let's say you make a mistake. Do you always say, God, I'm so stupid. I always do this. You know, I don't deserve this. I'm not worth this. What, do you, what are you saying to yourself? You need to flip, <clears throat> excuse me, you need to flip the script and start saying to yourself, you really are deserving of good things in your life. You made a mistake, let's learn from it instead of beat ourselves up. What did we learn from that mistake? I make mistakes daily, Paris. It's just <laughs> part of, because I'm human and it cracks me up how many mistakes I make. But I always stop, I'm very mindful. I say, okay, I screwed up. Not Lori, you screwed up, you're so stupid. Just I screwed up, what am I gonna learn? So building that inner core of self-esteem and treating yourself with kindness and really being conscious of that is the first thing you need to do. Wow. And I, I love how you just explained that and saying, you know, it, basically internalizing that failure, right? So when you mess up with something saying, okay, you know, this didn't go as planned. What, what did I learn from this situation rather than saying, I'm a failure and say, and taking it personally, because, you know, I feel like that's really hard to come back from, you know, if you, you can take any example, you know, like if you're in school and you're taking a test and you get a bad grade and you're like, you could say, you know, I failed this test. What can I do, you know, to better prepare next time? What can I do to learn and grow from this? Or you can say, you know what? I suck at this. I, I can never get better at this. I'm just going to give up and not study for anything else. I'm just, you know, I, I'm just, I can't get, come back from this. So I think uh, the biggest thing I take away from that, that you just, what you just said right, right there is internalizing that failure and not being able to see a possibility of, you know, growing from that, learning from that, moving forward from that situation, because I definitely, and I think you guys, this is real, what she's talking about right here. The solution shift is real because I am proof of that. I used to be that person all the time who would like any situation, negative, too much, overwhelming, like way too stressful, can't come back from this. And then doing the work, it took years, years and years, but slowly noticing. And like you said, the biggest part is how you speak to yourself, you guys. So if you're, you know, what is your internal dialogue like? How do you talk to yourself? You know, when you wake up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, what kind of things do you play over in your head about yourself and your role in different situations or relationships and kind of starting to say, to become aware of that and saying, wow, like I am really mean to myself. I am very, very critical on myself and saying, you know, what can I do to move away from this? What can I do to have more grace? What can I do to have more self-compassion? Because I really love that message that the whole thing you're, you're talking about here with the solution shift, because it really is incredible and a, a truly amazing way to start changing our view on ourselves, on others, on the world, on our abilities, all of it. 
Um, so, you know, one other thing I'd really love to ask you is, you know, if you could give a piece of advice to your younger self, what would it be and why? I think I would just, just that, the, the, what, you know, be kind to yourself. You know, unfortunately, society shames failure, but failure we should embrace because we never move forward unless we make mistakes. Paris, can you imagine a basketball game where everybody makes a basket oh. or, 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 a, or a baseball game where everybody gets a hit or a football game where there's a touchdown every play? Life would be incredibly boring. Right. And so failure is, is, is in our fabric and, it, and, it, and it's okay to fail. It's okay to fail if we learn from it, not get bitter from it. And I, I love what you said. Your analogy with the grades is so crucial because we tend to beat ourselves up when, uh, when we, uh, you know, fail at a grade. We kind of, oh, you know, it's so interesting that I always learn from my host too, because we're conditioned. How are we conditioned? I think the whole grading thing conditions us. That is just a topic in itself. That is brilliant. What yeah, you just, your that could be another that, episode that is another episode how do we get how, why or why are we beating ourselves up and i think it's great you know i'm speaking to a um an audience tomorrow of high school students i rarely speak to high school students and i've got a beautiful pivot to the positive message but i'm going to integrate that whole idea of because i do have a thing of on grades but putting it in that light that it almost conditions us to be afraid to fail because of the shame of failure when we do our schooling. That is, yes. that is a huge, huge insight. Um, as far as, as far as my younger self, I wish I got in my thirties, I learned about gratitude and keeping a, a gratitude journal. I would start that early as soon. I mean, everybody today should write down five things that they're grateful for every single night, because that really puts the spotlight on what you have versus what you don't have. Yes. And oh when, we, when we do that shift, it's crucial. So for example, even in my darkest days, I'm really happy that we have flush toilets. You know, even <laughs> when I've had a bad day, I'm so glad that I don't have to go to an outhouse. You know, you see, yes. you see these dramas where they have, you know, it looks all romantic and everything, but you know, there's no feminine hygiene products and there's no, you know, they're, and they're peeing in, in you know, in, in, in pots, you know, no, thank you. <laughs> or microwave ovens, all that kind of stuff, you know, or the fact that you've got beautiful eyes, whatever it is, focus on that gratitude. If I could have done that a little earlier in my life, if my 20s, I think that really would have helped. I learned in my 30s, it was probably the biggest lesson I learned was how to be grateful every day because through gratitude is really where you find joy. So my, what I do now is I live in gratitude and I live in the solution. And those two things really help me find joy every day because I choose to find joy. Yes. Every, we wake up every morning, Paris, and we can say, you know, it's going to be a miserable day or it's going to be a beautiful day. Even if there's stuff you don't want to do during that day, you need to choose joy and figure out a way to really celebrate it because you're alive, you're on the earth, we live in a beautiful country, we have what we need, and we need to really celebrate that. Yes. Like everything she said right there, guys, choose joy. You are able to choose. And like you said, you know, when you wake up and even if there's things that 
you know, you don't want to do that day. You're the perspective you have and the attitude you have going in and especially gratitude. Like she said, practicing gratitude and the way you speak to yourself is so important and all of that. So, you know, if you guys ever want to do that, or if you, ha- if you have never practiced gratitude, um, I put together a free 28 day gratitude journal that is Everyone can access it. It's totally, um, everyone can grab it, get a copy. It is on my Instagram, you guys, my Crooked Illness Instagram. You can click it, download it, print it out, do whatever you want to do because like Lori said, it is so important and it's helped her and it's helped me so much just with being able to start your day on the right foot and end your day on the right foot and start to shift away from having overwhelming feelings of being stressed, anxious, you know, dealing with different issues that you have going on or whatever the the situation may be. So shifting away from that and shifting towards looking at your blessings, your accomplishments, things that you're excited about, things that are coming up in the future, all of these things that are, you start to make a habit and is just incredible. And I just want to take this moment right here to say thank you to Lori for coming out today, coming on Crooked Illness, sharing all of your incredible tips, your amazing story with all of us. It has been so much fun chatting with you and I cannot wait for this episode to come out. Thank you so much. I've had a, have a blast. I love your energy, Paris. And I'm thrilled that you offer a gratitude journal, especially since you're, you're so young and you're learning this so young in your life. I mean, think about how much you've enriched so many more years. And I think everyone should, should reach out to you with that incredibly important resource. So thank you so much. Thanks for everyone listening. And um, it's been just wonderful. Oh, thank you, Lori. And thank you, everyone. I hope you guys enjoy this episode and have a great rest of your day or night. And on that note, I'm going to end it here. So I want to say goodbye to you guys and goodbye to Lori. Bye, Lori. Take care, hon. All right, guys, that is the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I enjoyed creating it. As always, if you guys would like to get in touch with me to talk about becoming a guest or to share your thoughts on this episode with me, you can do that in a number of ways. You can shoot me an email to crookedillness at gmail.com. You can send me a DM on Instagram at crookedillness, or you can message me on my Facebook page at crookedillness as well. I hope you guys have a beautiful rest of your day and thank you so much for listening to Crooked Illness.